with a teacher and uh, they um, they were each allowed to ask me one question. So there were 14 year olds and the, it was it was amazing. The kind of questions it's basically like seeing inside a 14 year old mind, you know, kind of questions were like, does it ever get easy in life to get out of bed? Uh, yeah. If you're on your own business, does that mean you can just uh, play PlayStation and eat pizza all day? Uh, have you ever been bullied? If so, how did you deal with the bullies? In my head, I'm like, okay, that kid's getting bullied. He needs some help. Uh, so, but you know, those are not your typical questions. And I actually stop and think and like, you know, you're actually helping some kids here who are making not necessarily immediate decisions, but really thinking about what is it, what is it like being an adult? Help me out here. Oh, that's amazing. So, uh, how do you, how do you find more, more shows like that shows with, uh, with helping the youth? That's really cool uh so i use a couple of platforms like all right my- welcome in to vision pros live with jackson callum i'm your show host we'll be doing interviews for visionary entrepreneurs and guest leaders who are building fantastic visions out there Hey, and welcome into Vision Pros Live. I'm your show host, Jackson Callum, founder and CEO of First Class Business. I'm super excited to be bringing on board today Faris Aranki. Um, he is an IQ, EQ, and FQ strategist. We're going to talk about those acronyms, what they mean in just a minute. Some of them you may be familiar with, but even if not, they've all the more reason to write some notes. Um, we're talking about intelligence, emotional intelligence, and uh, focus. And I thought it was financial intelligence. But as I looked at that, I was like, wait a second. All three of these have to do with raising your financial game. Um, so I can see why he he added that focus intelligence at the end there, too. And and we'll find out if he coined that or if he's just a superstar professor of that. But I've really, really enjoyed my time with him already. And I look forward to putting him on stage. Um, when we talk about enhancing company success, we're not just talking about profits either. We're going to be talking about success and we're going to be defining what, what Ferry sees as success as well. Uh, before we do that, I want to talk about these sponsors though. These sponsors, two of them, both of them are super important to me. One of them is ColdClick. We actually use ColdClick for LinkedIn automation ourselves. Art Hoffman launched this program. Now we've used Ulink and we've used Buzz and he's got this, uh, in fact, I shouldn't say what he has behind the scenes, but um, I mean, he, he's cool like that. He's got Octopus connected to Ulink and he helps us understand the direction that the algorithm's going in for LinkedIn so we don't get in trouble as we automate our messages. I mean, if the president of the United States can automate his birthday cards and his messages to get in front of people, then we should be able to leverage the same types of systems to make sure that we're maximizing the people that we're reaching. And what that does, it allows you to just move forward to the people who are best fit to work with you right here and now. It also, if you use it right, allows you to connect with complete strangers in authentic ways. Please don't automate your business in ways that aren't authentic. Like the famous message that says, hey, it looks like we have mutual friends. Don't automate that. That's just trashy. Um, now, on the flip side, uh, if you're starting out in business and you don't have a website, I wish I had known about simplyfastwebsites.com because what Shane Michael has built is a platform where for $179, you can get a website. Now, if I were in your shoes, I would push Shane to that specific limit. I spent thousands of dollars on my first couple of websites. I also spent even more than thousands of dollars in my time trying to figure out Weebly, trying, I'm dating myself there, trying to figure out Wix, trying to figure out Squarespace, playing with themes on WordPress. 
I even hired somebody in Upwork for a couple hundred bucks. It started out as a couple of dollars, by the way. And then he got me connected with a hijacked version of a WordPress theme. Love the kid um, and uh, and wish him the best. And my website did fine. Nothing happened with it. I just felt bad because I was like, this, I think, is kind of illegal. Um, so I want to save you that hassle. I would go with a company like Simply Fast Websites. Pick their brain the best you can respectfully. Know that you're not going to get a Nike.com, but you're getting started with somebody who has a passion for both web design and web development. And you end up saving yourself a whole lot of time and hassle. So big fan of Shane and what he's built there. I continue to wish him the best of success and the water project. If you have access to this, which if you're listening to the podcast, you likely do. Um, there are people all over the world who do not have access to clean drinking water. And this is an opportunity to find those communities and actually give to a specific community. Uh, maybe you can't give financially right now. Maybe you're like COVID economics has got you down and you can only share this. Do that. Share it with somebody. You never know. Maybe that person that you connected to this is able to donate $10,000 and fund water wells for a couple of these communities. The cool thing is, once you do add some funding to one of these communities, you get to see the actual results of what happens. You get to learn about their story up front. You then get to see the transformation that takes place. What you may not see, but I challenge you to think about is, look at this picture of these children right here. Imagine how this is going to affect them over the next 10 years of their life, what it will do for their education, what it will do for their health, what that will do for the, the safety and sanctity of their families, uh, this is we're creating generational impact when we give to projects like this. Now, if you've got a project and you're like, hey, Jackson, I think this project is way more important than that one. Just drop the link um, in the comments, please, because I would love to check it out and love to see what we can do to support that as well. So thank you for uh, always taking the time to, to give back. We got eight billion people in this world who need a ton of help. So without further ado, let me dive into uh, Faris's profile a little bit. Um, I've got to get better at the screen sharing technology, my friends. Um, let's see here. Screen share is LinkedIn. I always love for people to have the chance. Hey, what's up, Scott? Um, I love for people to have the chance to take a look and see where people come from, whether it's his uh, opportunity to, to go to Durham University or his business, Shiageto Consulting, which stands for Sharpening Stone in Japanese. I, I knew that prior to, no, I didn't. Um, and I like this, intelligence quotient, the ability to come up with the best solution. Emotional quotient, the ability to bring others with you. That was brilliant. I was like, oh, that's really, there's really no better way to define emotion than, than understanding that we, we utilize it to inspire others. And then this focus quotient, ability to focus, and be efficient. We're going to talk about focus and action and how they may be the same or differ as well. But I'm going to scroll through real fast, um, skip past some of the, the recent activity. You can check out that. But one of the things I would challenge you to do is the leaders that you're working with, that you're looking up to, go in and look and see their job backgrounds. You know, what is it that they've done to get to where they are and, and build what it is they're building? Uh, for instance, th three years at Ernst & Young, as a strategy advisory uh, team managing and consulting member, that's a that's a big deal. It's a big company. There are ways they do things. There's things you can learn about why Faris has adapted and adopted the type of personality that he has in relation to, to leadership. Asking him about that experience, whether it was good, bad, or ugly, allows you to get to know him on a deeper level as well. Just, again, little tips and tricks to help you establish yourself with the leaders that you're meeting and talking to. Um, so, Ferris, thank you so much for joining me on Vision Pros Live. It's great to thank have you. Thank you for having me.
Thank you. Thank you, Jackson. And do you know what? That's the first time I've seen my profile uh, sort of uh, anatomically uh, <laughs> dissected by somebody in front of me. And I'm like, wow, there's nothing like as humbling as hearing your CV or your LinkedIn profile read to you. You're like, damn it, I need to change that. I need to move that. But, hey, I loved it. It was a great intro. First time for everything. First time I've done that too. So um, <laughs> that, that was fun. Uh, not the first time I've read one, but the first time I've definitely done that live for somebody and and humbling okay. or not uh it is an impressive background um and i'm i'm excited for uh for others to again ask you about those realities uh i hope to discover yeah. many more things about you as years come um so ferris um who should be listening today and the ultimate question of of, of arrogance no just grounding why, why should they be listening to you about these subjects Okay. Well, the answer is everyone should be listening, but uh, no, who should be listening? Anyone who wants to be a bit more effective in life, right? And that can mean anything to anyone, right? Because we all have goals, but not necessarily achieving them. And that's both personal and professional. Uh, why should they listen to me? Because uh, quite frankly, I'm very entertaining. I've got stories for everything. But more importantly, as you unpack, I've got this equation, uh, this uh, patented methodology, which actively helps companies unlock value. Right. You, you, you sort of alluded to it at the start. Why did I call my company Shia Ghetto Consulting? All right. Shia Ghetto, the Japanese word for a sharpening stone. There you go. We even have a pillow with it written on. That's how, I was that's like, that's not a sharpening stone. stone. You're not going to convince me. The arrowhead is sharpening stone. But why is it called a sharpening stone? It's because we all, you know, like your knives, like your, your, your pair of scissors, they go dull over time. It's a bit like us. Mm. It's a bit like our strategies. They go a little bit dull. We don't realize it. OK, they lose five percent, 10 percent effectiveness. Right. It just means cutting through that piece of meat is a bit harder. Getting stuff done in your company and your personal life gets a bit harder. So if you can just sharpen and improve your effectiveness, you unlock a whole lot of value in all aspects of your life. So those are the people who should be listening today, because I'm going to give some tips, tricks. And this is the stuff I eat, sleep and breathe and absolutely love. And it makes a material difference for companies and people. I'm going to dive into a new direction here um, because of, of what you just nailed down. So when you talked about people becoming dull, you know, or systems becoming dull, their, their, their realities becoming dull, et cetera. Um, I think a lot of us tend, I, I found myself for a couple of years focused on sharpening my mindset. Yeah. And I didn't realize how little I was paying attention to sharpening my systems um okay. so i'm curious do you you know do you compartmentalize that that process of sharpening are there different elements what does that look like to you a hundred percent that's why the equation comes up with iq eq and fq and you know I, I i do this me and my team we do this we go into companies and do you know what the number one thing we find particularly with a lot of the big corporates we work with they've got a lot of iq they've got a lot of smart people you know coming up with great ideas what they lack is the EQ and the FQ, the EQ, you know, a smart person, if they're not able to talk to other people and say, hey, this is my idea. Are you excited by it? Uh, then it's just their idea. It's just a piece of paper. Right. So just having IQ, high quantities is not enough. So it's a bit like you working on your technical systems and the bit you said, you know, your, your knowledge, your thing. That's great. But what do you do with that knowledge? How do you get others inspired? And then you talked about having systems. That's where the FQ comes in for me. Right. Mm. Having great systems, not being able to do things more efficiently, not be distracted, uh, unlocks the likelihood that you're going to achieve whatever you said, i.e. you're going to use that knowledge in an effective way. Because um, that's so often, you know, 
there you go. If you look at it, there's some, you know, I use some analogies on my website about what does IQ, EQ, and FQ mean? And let's imagine you want to scale a mountain, right? IQ is yeah. working out all the different ways you could scale the mountain. EQ is making sure you've got the right team and they they got your back and there's high levels of trust. And FQ is making sure that you damn well go through with it and climb that mountain, all right? Uh, you can't achieve anything without those three components. Uh, I was going to ask you about that with FQ. So FQ, um, as I read your your topic on focus and was kind of yeah. mentally preparing for this, I thought I should ask Ferris, what's the difference between focus and action? So focus, focus starts with prioritization, all right? Okay. So too many times in life, you can be active, but you're not focused. So what do I mean by that? Let's just take personal habits. We all do stuff day in, day out without really stopping and thinking, why am I doing that? Yeah, right. Is it really getting me a step closer to my goal? We all have sat in a meeting that is probably not really delivering a lot of value. We've all eaten a couple of biscuits, even if eating biscuits wasn't our goal, right? Just because they happen to be in front of us. So that means we're, we're doing action, right? It's just not necessarily in the direction it should be. And so taking a moment to, to remind yourself, what is my goal? What are the things that are going to get me there? Therefore, what are the things are not going to get me there? Like, like you know, scrolling on my phone is not going to get me there, but I'm still doing it, right? Just that simple check and balance can give you instant FQ. Right? can give you instant more focus and more likelihood of achieving success. I love that. You, you've probably heard the analogy of the two, two lumberjacks in the woods. One's old, one's young. The young guy loses the race. The old guy beat him pretty badly on chopping these trees down. The young guy yeah. says, hey, how the heck did you beat me? You know, I saw you taking lunch and breaks. Old guy says, well, while you were chopping with a dull axe, I was sharpening mine, um, yeah. you know, and it allowed him to win the race. And that's what led me to my own realization and that analogy of, huh, I see a lot of people sharpening their mind, but I also see a lot of companies ignoring their tools, not sharpening those. And then you talked about it uh, even more, more prominent. I think most people, at least in America, I can't speak for other countries, are seeing that the corporations are kind of putting the well-being of, of their workers on the back burner. Um, you yeah. know, and it's like, hey, have you gotten that report done? By the way, how's your family? Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, you know that, that's, that's the, if they even ask that, um, that's yeah. being a little bit generous. So that's neat that you help with that. And I like how you said focus um, starts with prioritizing your mm. actions, um, mm. right? That's that's also really, really helpful. So what's the vision for those that you serve? What do you hope that on the other side, what, what does it look like? The clear destination of, of awesome behind that? Hey, it, it comes from them, right? Uh, I work with companies ranging from Amazon uh, in one scale to a educational charity startup, you know, and the other. And I, we always start with vision. I say, look, you cannot be successful unless you are clear on what you want to achieve, where you want to get to. And I say to them, back in the days when I was a strategy consultant, I used to, it used to be my, my job to help write that vision. But now I say to them, I literally do not care what your vision is. As long as A, you have one, and then B, as long as, and then the second condition is that you all align on it. Right. Because I've been in companies where the, the four founders or the eight senior directors all have a slightly different view of the vision. And then what happens? It just causes chaos to the company. Even a one percent split means they're going out, walking the floors, telling people slightly different things. So, yeah, it's not my job to assess. Now, at times I've heard visions where I've gone, oh, my God, that's shocking. I wouldn't do that. But if I can get them aligned, 
right, and get them to have a clear direction, then those are my, that's what the vision I do for my clients. Interesting. Do you ask them that vision individually or does that come out in a group discussion? So I always do an activity to start off with where I say, right, in silence, I want you all to write down the vision in 15 to 20 words, in your own words, right? We then, we then reveal our post-its and we see how close or how far they are. And I said, right, we are not leaving this room to when we repeat that exercise, you all have a 90% overlap, okay? So we're gonna discuss, we're gonna have honest conversations and that's what I do. I create the environment, I make it engaging, I challenge uh, to get that. Um, and it's really funny, I'll tell you a story. I once was in a room with a, a startup, an engineering firm, and they had a vision on their website. It said, look, we wanna save the world by doing environmental projects, maybe a bit like the water project. Right? And I said to them as, as you know, preparation for the meeting, I said, can I have a look at all the projects you've done in the last five years? So I walked into the room and I said, look, something's wrong here. Either you are shit salespeople because you're the five, you know, five years worth of projects. You've not done anything that is vaguely, you know, saving the environment <laughs> or you're lying about your vision. So which one is it? All right. And there was silence in the room. Yeah. Two minutes passed, three minutes passed, four minutes passed. Finally, one of the directors broke and said, yeah, I just want to make a bunch of money and retire by the time I'm 50. I don't care how I do it. Right? And the second guy went, oh, such a relief because I also want to do that. You know, I don't really care about the environment. And it went around the room and I went, in my head, I'm like, okay, that's, that is what it is, right? It's shocking. But, but I said, guys, do not put on your website then that that's what you're going to achieve, right? Okay, maybe don't write you want to retire by your 50. But by writing that, you're lying to yourself. You're lying to clients. You're lying to your staff who's joining for those reasons. And yeah, let's rewrite something that you all now believe in and will dedicate your day in, day out to achieving. I love that. And Ferris, I'd like to come in as a, the devil's advocate on that a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, and talk about that from two different angles. One, I think uh, the gut reaction of most people hearing a story like that would say like, well, why the heck would you help somebody who's that evil or that self-centered? <laughs> and on the flip side, I'd also add that I believe that most, and take it for what it is, guys, but most people have the intent to do good. Even if we're dealing selfishly or we see things from a selfish perspective, there's still an inherent good that's that's behind it 99% of the time. So while that may have been their immediate motivation, we don't know if if they were struggling to provide for their families. We don't know. Um, you know, if there's a, a grand reason behind why they needed that financial advancement for themselves. And we don't know by getting to that financial reality, if there's a certain virtue or opportunity of service that exists beyond that. Um, I'm curious how, how, how motivate, how important was that for you to uncover as part of that project or team or did, was that irrelevant? I mean, completely. And let's, you know, I'm not doing them a disservice. They built a company, they were employing 40 people. So they were putting wages in people's hands. They were still doing interesting work. It just wasn't aligned to what they said. And that's what I really was challenging them, you know, and, I, and then, then the yeah. sort of marketer in me said, look, you can't write on a website. I, our vision is to retire by the time we're 50. That, that doesn't look, that doesn't look great to outside. But yeah, it, it you know, right. where we reached was we want to do interesting projects with interesting people, you know, so, so, which allowed them much more of an umbrella yeah. to go out and continue to do the work that they did anyway. Right? I appreciate and, that. And it just provided more clarity. So, yeah, I'm not saying uh, that there aren't plenty of circumstances and plenty more beyond a simple statement like that. It's it was funny. I, I presented at South by Southwest for our first company in, in Austin. And uh, I, I was probably 23 at the time, I think. 
Um, mm -hmm. And one of the investors that came by invested in environmental projects. And I was pretty quick to respect his time and say, like, oh, we we don't do anything with the environment. Um, you know, like, sorry. Um, and, and he said, he said, you know, don't be so quick to write yourself off. We look for people who are helping human to human associations as well. You're part of the environment. We're not just mm -hmm. talking about solar. Um, and so I think one, he respected my humility and backing down, but then he elevated my vision and helped me see that this isn't just about wind farms and, and, uh, and solar. This is about, uh, anything that contributes yeah. to the, the greater good of, of humanity. Um, so I, I yeah. appreciate you bringing that up. Go ahead. Do you have something else to say about that before we move on? Yeah, I was just going to say that, um, you know, as I explain what I do in, in work, particularly on the EQ side. Right, yeah. which is about getting people working better together. Now, rightly or wrongly, companies will not pay a big amount uh, necessarily uh, to make people feel better. Okay, they might in the wellness space, but then it's you know they're not paying the sums that they pay to a strategy consultant. Yeah, so, uh, rightly or wrongly, I am paid to solve problems. It just so happens that often I use the people route to get there, and that people are happier yeah. as a result. But if I didn't move the dial on sales or costs or some other metric within their business they wouldn't pay the fees that we ask them to pay so that's the reality of life it makes me a little bit sad i can i can certainly tell you about a couple of conversations with senior individuals who who to my face told me look i don't care enough about my team it's cheaper to pay you to care about my team that just just made me a lot sadder about human beings um but that, that you know at least they were being honest with me right Hey, um, and, and you have the opportunity to come in and bridge that gap. So yeah. uh, good for you. Um, sometimes it's not not easy to do the drill. But um, again, we got to get out of our own heads um, a lot of times to perform our service. Yeah. What's your vision, Ferris, for you? Um, and, and you can go a thousand years. You can go five minutes. Your call. <laughs> five minutes. That's far too far. Well, like I mean, I mean, like, yeah, exactly. You caught it. I didn't mean five minutes time wise. You can go 20 minutes maybe. But yeah, where, yeah. where does your vision take you? Uh, my vision takes me, so I set up my business uh, four years ago uh, for the combination of boredom. Uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't developing myself anymore um, and wanted to make more of an impact. I'd started my career, funnily enough, uh, Jackson, as a high school teacher. And there's, there's, if you talk to any high school teachers or any teachers out there, you know, yeah, there's some frustrations, but why do they continue to do it? There is a moment in every class, it could be with one student or multiple students, where you something happens and you know at that point their life is going to be better because of something you did, yeah. right? I was missing that feeling. And so I set up this business because I was like, we can bring that to business, right? We can make an impact. I can continue my own development and, and sort of growth, but we can do that. And I get that moment with boards, with senior people, with teams. Right? And it might, you know, it doesn't happen every day. But that's that's my vision. I want more of that. And a lot of that comes. That's why I linked it to effectiveness. A lot of it comes from unlocking things that have been just troubling teams, holding them back, that dullness, that lack of sharpness and just sharpening them up again. You know, good stuff is going to happen for them, their team and their business beyond that point. So that's my vision. I want more of that. Uh, you know, it just so happens I'm doing it through a vehicle at the moment of this company. So I want the company to grow. We've got a team, but it will get bigger. Uh, I want to work with more clients. Uh, and just keep having fun, you know. I tell you what, Jackson, that is the only metric we measure as a company every week. Every Friday afternoon, we say, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much fun we had this week. And do you know what? 
the more fun we have, the more money seems to come in. So I don't worry about the money side of things. And I know my accountant's listening and she'll be screaming at the, at the screen. <laughs> but uh, I, I mean, that a little bit tongue in cheek. Obviously, we have to do you know, accounts and stuff. But it's I'm, you know, say, I'm sure stuff. you have other things you measure, but that's the one that you gravitate towards. You that's never miss, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. That's the that's the that's the instance. So that's sort of like the pulse check. That's the that gives me a sense of, you know, are, are we are we going in the right direction? Um, and obviously, I then dig into other things more sporadically. But every week, that's the main one. Very good. I got more fun, and that's that's awesome. We uh, aren't as dedicated to that as we should be, um, but okay. we do we do have a meeting on Fridays called Level Up, Calm Down. Um, okay. and like we're not, it. it's an hour and a half back office chatter. Cause you don't get that in a remote company. So we just take an hour and a half. We're not allowed to talk about any fires. We're not allowed to talk about any emergencies. We are there for each other. We'll do some level up stuff, but it's also a time to calm down and appreciate each other. And next thing you know, we're doing karaoke, um, you know, in a foreign <laughs> language. Um, so it, it's definitely a, a fun aspect, but I, I do like the idea of making sure we're we're looking at that KPI um, or, or that opportunity as kind of a KPI. Yes, I nerded it up to where it may not be fun any longer, but <laughs> I'll digress. Um, all right. So let's let's go into uh, darker territory. Okay. What has been, let's see if you can shock us. What's been your worst business experience ever? Oh, oh God, I got a whole catalog of them, right? Uh, <laughs> I don't think so. any... I don't think anyone who 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 is doing all right in business or anyone in business hasn't had a terrible experience. Um, yeah. It could it's be funny when the guests say they don't have them. I'm like, yeah, when, when they, they don't have, have experience, them, they're, they're or you're themselves. not being honest. <laughs> yeah, they're not being honest, right? Um, and do you know what? You find it's it sort of grows with you, right? The things that were your worst experience when you first started your career, i.e., yeah, yeah, you know, you you screwed, you couldn't speak in front of an audience, you you got something wrong in your analysis, or yeah, you know, and they obviously no longer they're they're, they're sort of small fry when you're in thing, you know. So the the tide moves, and obviously now I have a team, and now I have to look after some of them. Uh, they those are the things that make me feel about the worst experience, like. Um, and I guess just bring it back a bit. I started my company six months before COVID, so a very, very challenging time. Was, yeah, it was. It well, yeah, it, it was what it was, right? Uh, right? As my dad says to me, said to me, if you can build a business during COVID, then just think how awesome you'll be as a businessman outside of COVID, right? So um, right. it's very true. But it, but the reality was seven months of no work, um, seven months of every day going. I can't even reach out to people anymore. I've tried that. They're all in a state of panic. So how do I keep myself busy without going mental, without thinking I've got no money coming in, but also just mentally occupied, right? So that I don't just do nothing and then that will lead to never restarting the business. Um, so that sort of resilience, mental fortitude, um, just 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 taking it day by day and getting through it because you know we were all there. We didn't know how long it would last. Um, for me and the business, it was seven months before we, we got some work in through the door again. Um, and I laugh about it now. And I, you know, it, I did a lot of stuff during that time. But it was, you know, I go back to those days and it was it was one of the worst experiences uh, that I can remember in recent times. For Seven months of no clients, um, trying to contact people. And, you know, if anybody who's been jobless for an extended period of time where you're actually actively looking and getting told, no, thanks, um, you know, hey, we went with somebody else, <laughs> you, 
that it is it is so debilitating um, to be in that position of of trying to remember your value when nobody else seems to want to invest in it. Um, so well, well said. That is difficult. Um, let's move into we're going to leave people on the, the hook with that. If anybody wants to reach out to Ferris and find out how he overcame that, then of course, feel free to do so. Um, you know, and what went on next. But what is your best experience in business? What does that look like so far? Oh, I mean, um, I, I think I've uh, alluded to those. These are going to be different moments. Um, it's, it's loads of those, loads of those. You know, they come thick and fast, so great. But uh, I often talk about, you know, funny enough, we're talking about the pandemic and, and COVID. Uh, one of the um, most exciting uh, uh, experiences in business was go back 15 years ago now. Uh, and it's 2008. I'm working as a consultant. Uh, on a project for the UK Department of Health, where we are preparing the UK in case there ever is a pandemic. It's a three-year program. We're a team of 50. Uh, and uh, we're about halfway through the program. And suddenly there's a, 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 a disease called swine flu coming out of Asia. right? And at the time, the UK government thought that was the pandemic. So it's 2009. We're halfway through building our preparation as a UK. And we're just told to launch, launch, launch. Right. So it's uh, it was super exciting because suddenly it was like having a pandemic, but it wasn't actually the pandemic. So we got to we got to do everything at a heightened stamp. We got to I got to join super senior government meetings uh, on the periphery. I got to design a war game, my first ever war game, which was let's play out how this pandemic will, will go and and how we how we win. You know, and I, wow. I, I, all I'd ever done was read it in a textbook. But, you know, I was told I had 24 hours to pull something together with another colleague. So that sort of adrenaline and, uh, you know, seniority and something, and I was still quite junior back, you know, 15 years ago, was super exciting experience. And it gave me a lot of a lot of insight and a lot of skills, uh, you know, and I still recreate war games nowadays about that, you know, how can you create that urgency um, and experience in a safe environment for, for companies so that they can really develop their IQ in particular, their thinking. Because often we get lazy and we only deliver our best thinking when something's on fire. Uh, and yep. so how can, how can you bring that without actually setting it on fire? Interesting. And yeah, I would, I would imagine there's a lot of companies that have never experienced a war game setup, um, that have never seen one outside, outside of movie clips, um, yeah. you know, what that looks like. So, um, do you do you actually bring the war game concept in and pre-prepare them for it or what what does that look like yeah yeah so i run i run two or three war games a year nowadays with companies and they can be very light touch right just a desk exercise or they can be you know i've designed ones that are sort of four or five months of preparation with actors videos uh you know we get cost we get them all outfits and fundamentally you're doing one of you're two larping games. You are laughing, too. yeah, but in a business context, the CEO will will not like the word LARP, but he will he loves a war game, uh, is what I've discovered. Um, and what you really want is that experiential, either a competitive war game. How do you beat your your competitors in your same market, right? Um, and it could be your Walmart, and you want to beat uh, Best Buy, and you want to beat all the other guys, right? Or it could be a team preparation. So there's something like COVID coming or a pandemic. Let's test the plan you've already got in place. Let's find the holes in it. Um, so it's super fun, super engaging, and the, the learnings that come out of it. But here's the crucial thing. If you go in without an inflexible mind, you don't learn anything. 
So every time I play a war game, always the first round is very dull. We don't learn anything. And I'll always say the same things. Mm. Let's go and find a population who think differently to you. So usually it's some graduates or it's a team from the shop floor. And I bring them in and say, do you want to beat your bosses? And they go, of course I do. Right. And I say, right, this is the game. You can do whatever you like. And they start thinking creatively. They start going, well, what about this? And the, and the bosses usually go, well, that's not fair. We, we, you know, because they're just used to only looking at things one way. You need to mix up the gene pool. You need to mix up the creativity. And that's what great IQ is about. And that's why inclusivity is super important because we sometimes just get a bit too casual in who we allow to generate ideas when there are so many great ideas out there. Man, you just sparked a great one in me uh, with that question that, that do you want to beat your bosses reminds me, it makes me remember uh, when you're young and you want to play your, uh, your coaches, um, mm. you know, uh, play against the coaches or play against the teachers and kickball. Um, we mm. did that in elementary school and there's just this massive rush of adrenaline and, and belonging that occurs when you get to see those who are, are leading you um, compete in something at, at your level that you're possibly better at than they are too. Um, it's, it's a fantastic way to mesh and harmonize. Um, so well said, um, we can definitely bring that in the work environments. Um, I wanted to, I want to shift gears a little bit yeah. to, we've got, I think we have some time um, yeah. back to, focus prioritization actions um yeah. and and getting things done quickly i have yeah. been overhauling our facebook ads right okay. now like tremendously which is weird because I'm an, I'm an optimizer you don't throw things out the window and redo them um and and as i've been doing this thanks to ai um and, and some things i've seen in the market um I had a goal to get my ads, like my new ads launched for me and for some clients as of last Thursday. Yeah. I spent most of my weekend um, working on on the the, the ads, reestablishing the base. And yeah. I'm sitting here going, okay, Ferris, um, how do I get out of my way and launch today by tonight? Okay. Yeah. And is it? Are there times when we should stay laser focused on the goal and just hit the goal because the deadline's the deadline is the deadline? Mm -hmm. Or am I being smart and making sure I'm doing it right and saying, no, I'm launching tomorrow because I'm not going to screw this up? What are your <laughs> thoughts on that? Well, you know the old saying, you know, uh, perfection is the enemy of, uh, uh, of getting something done, right? Because you can, we can yeah. all sit on something for ages. And uh, I come from a world where, you know, strategy consulting, where perfection was demanded on every slide, every document, you know, everything. And you would stay up till three in the morning. But when I run my business, I realize that most people don't care enough. As long as it's 80% good enough, right? And you, you, it's not like it's a one-way uh, door, right? You can still go back and change things and update them. So, so then, you know, loosening your ideals around perfection is, I think is a better way, uh, because you will be just chasing this infinite thing, um, that will constantly be in the distance. So that's, that's, that's one thing, but let's say you do have a deadline. What is the reality when we have deadlines, we turn up, we show up and we sit down in front of our laptop, which you probably did this weekend. And you tell yourself, this is the most important thing I'm going to work on today. So let's imagine you have 100 points of focus. You go, I'm going to give this all 100. Then what happens? I bet you, you're sitting there and your phone probably buzzed. You probably mm -hmm. just checked it, right? 
And even if oh, you Oh, no, don't, I put it in the other room, actually. Put it in the other room, so you're good. <laughs> I'm, pretty, I'm pretty damn relentless with focus. You're doing um, relentless. But, okay, people who don't, even if they right. don't check their phone, they've already lost 10 points of focus because their mind is like, mm -hmm. oh, I wonder what's on that phone. Right? It's called context switching, right? And and your brain is doesn't you can't multitask. But, okay, so you took your phone out of your room. Good man, right? But what happened as you got towards lunchtime? Where did your brain go? I didn't eat lunch. You didn't eat lunch. Okay. Nope. All right. Is it okay, buddy? You, but you probably, your mind was going to, I'm hungry, right? Uh, oh, nope. yeah. No, nope. you're just. I'm nuts, man. When it comes to being real, like I was, I was locked in, but I get what you're going. I get what you're going. But yeah, uh, we're raising the bar here. We're going to entrepreneurs who, who have no, super no focused. problem with focus okay. whatsoever. There's, okay. they're locked in. Go ahead. Hit okay. it. So eliminate all those things because most people, things like, you know, phones, food, uh, temperature. Mm -hmm. These are the things that you mind an argument you had with your loved one. These are where your mind goes. So you're not actually focused. Right. right? So anticipate these, close these off, like hiding your phone in another room. Right. Then um, assume it is the most important task. Right. right? Then it's about remove your, you know, the need for perfection. And then it's as yeah. you yourself hinted, can you be a, be a bit smarter? Can you already apply some of the pre-decisions you've already made and the use of technology or smart tools like you're using AI? But um, a lot of it is you're never starting from a blank piece of paper, right? You you probably already had a lot of the content. You've already made a lot of the decisions along the way. And that, that's the joy of something like a war game, right? But make sure you document those so you can just embed them instead of having to rethink about stuff from scratch each time. Yes, love that, and and I love that you you also outline that worst case scenario of you know because you have to go through that drill if you're going to understand am I postponing this indefinitely right where it's yeah. going to drag on forever or am I headed towards a new realistic destination Thursday to Thursday to Tuesday for instance isn't an indefinite um, reality um, yeah. but it can be if you find yourself going from Thursday to next Thursday and then next Thursday. And then that now you're creating uh, what you're talking about that, that I don't know, that drag, that obstacle that means you're just, you are probably just trying to be a perfectionist, but there's something hidden in there that's probably blocking you. So um, I appreciate you diving into that. Um, if you were only to share one more lesson. Yeah. And you didn't, you were never going to be able to share another lesson again with us or anybody else. Okay. What powerful lesson can other visionaries learn from your experience? I mean, most of the lessons I share, I tell senior executives, they already know them. They're just not doing them. And the number one thing I tell them to do is ask more questions and listen better. Okay. Too much sits in people's heads. So the first half of that, too much of what we think just sits in our head. So go out, ask people about it, share it, ask them what they think about stuff. It's amazing. Literally everyone has an opinion and you will get such a richness back. Don't don't be a snob. Don't be arrogant. Think I can only ask senior people or, or academics. Ask everyone because you'll get some real food. And then the other half of the question is you actually have to listen. Most of us are terrible listeners. We are really, really bad. Right. And if we can only improve like 10 percent in that, we are going to unlock so many good things for us, for others and for the world around us. Well said. I'm going to double down on that. Um, for the person who is guilty of of not sitting in their head enough, yeah, um, <laughs> maybe, sitting in their head too much. Right. Maybe, we, we, maybe we ask too many questions. Maybe we, okay. we, we make people very uncomfortable. Yeah. What's a, what's a powerful lesson that you'd share with the person who's on that extreme end of 
of maybe you should have thought about that before you open your well, mouth. Well, any, anyone who has any sort of behavior that might be like is is the self awareness aspect, right? Is ask ask your three closest uh, you know compatriots or, or people with you what is the one thing you they think you should rein in or change about yourself, right? Uh, and it, it might be that, like, hey, you just fire off too many questions. And uh, I've worked with many a leader who don't necessarily fire off too many questions. But the behavior is they shoot down. They're too, they, they pounce on everything. They've got to be the first person to speak, and they've got to close everyone else's ideas down. Right? And I always find with these leaders, the first thing to do is they have to acknowledge it. So I often use technology nowadays. I'll record a session and, and say, like, let's count. Let's count together how many times you shot down somebody else's idea. Or let's use the transcript in Teams uh, you know, that tells us exactly what percentage of the meeting you spoke versus the rest of your team. So first of all, is getting them to accept it, show them the fact. Then it's like, OK, what's a way that you can overcome this? And I often get them to sit on their hands, you know, slap an elastic band every time they realize they're doing it. First step might be just counting how many times they do it. Right. Uh, everybody will have a different technique for stopping it, but it all starts with that self-awareness. Mm, interesting. There you go. <laughs> Very good. We're all wondering what you're trying to stop here now. Ah, I appreciate that. Um, well, it's it's that opportunity of, um, you know, like you said, uh, you, it's funny. Your answer was still the same. It was just from a different paradigm, right? The person can be asking more questions. Um, even the person who's maybe asking too many questions, ask yourself these questions, right? Gain feedback. Um, and and I, I think that... He, you know, I'm not going to say it as well as you did, but there's an opportunity for us to ask tough questions about ourselves hmm. to others and giving them the space to actually answer that honestly, openly, bluntly, if necessary, um, and and not not reacting to it, hmm. but but listening to understand what are what's one of your favorite resources for people who struggle with the power of listening. <laughs> uh well like i said uh data um it just yeah um just i was gonna i was gonna say put put, put a uh put stick something in their mouth but um um <laughs> right get them to get them to shut up and listen i think um i think everybody ha has a different way that they need to be to break through right uh, because there are so many reasons we don't listen so many different drivers of why we don't listen. So there isn't, I'd love to say there's one tool that would right. get everyone to listen better, you know, but there'll be the 10% who are growth mindset. You can, we can give them some great tools and, you know, some great reading to do and they'll, they'll be enlightened and say, Oh, okay, I should listen. But the other 90%, you know, because they've right. got great lessons, they won't listen. And so I often tell the analogy about a team I worked with once Jackson, where they weren't talking to each other. Each of the team members was super alpha, super dominant. They did not see the value of having a team. Now, me turning around to them and saying, look, you need to be friends with your team members. You need to get rid of Wouldn't have cut the mustard. But I realized they needed to, to get closer together. And I realized that they were super competitive. So the next time I had them all together, I said to them, we're going to play a game. You're all going to put in your own money. The winner takes all. Suddenly, they're all interested. OK, now you're talking my language. So everybody put in $50. And they said, what's the game, Faris? And I said, well, you have to guess how many children we all have as a team. Okay? So there's eight of us. The first person went and goes, okay, on average, people have 2.1 children, right? That's going to be 17 kids. Yeah, the next person, I said, you can't guess the same number. 
So they went around, they guessed, they guessed. And then, then I said, okay, now let's find out. So I then, you know, turned to the first person and said, Jackson, how many kids you got, right? What are their names? How old are they? You know, where do they live? We do that. It takes 20 minutes. The next week we do pets. The next week we do holidays. The next week, what happens? They start learning about each other, even though that wasn't their intention. Their intention was to win money. So there's lots of ways to get people, you know, the horse to the water without the horse realizing. Mm. And the horse to drink it. Um, well, well, well done. That's awesome. Ferris, it's been an absolute blast to have you on. Uh, Vision Pros, I, I hope you took notes. You can, of course, go back and, and do so as needed. You can implement um, a lot of these ideas for your own business without Ferris, without myself, and what? have and, and drive drive some success. We actually will never, ever need Ferris. No. Um, that's true. If, if, well, I, and that's, that's where healthy relationships begin, too. Those of you who are listening, um, you know, if you're if you're feeling like you need us, either one of us, um, you're already creating a toxic relationship. Another lesson for another day. Um, but if you see the opportunity to enhance your own company success and grow to new, new, new levels with a strategist who can help cut right to the point and you want to reach out to him, Ferris is available on LinkedIn. We'll also have his links to his resources and his show notes on the, the landing page once we produce that. And this was an awesome opportunity. So uh, thanks for diving in with us, Ferris. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Vision pros. If you want to apply to be on the show, don't hesitate to do so. We would love to have your vision on the show. Um, comment with any questions that you have for either one of us. And we'd love to see you like, subscribe and leave reviews to let us know who your favorite guest has been, what you've learned, what questions you have. We're always going to make this better for you. Everybody have a wonderful day. Thank you for being here today. I'm really happy that you tuned in to Vision Pros Live. I'm looking forward to seeing your reactions as these episodes continue to move forward. This is going to get more and more fun. We'll have more and more engagement as well. We'll invite people to participate in the show. And thank you for giving us your time and attention.